0: Saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Lent to all of you this Tuesday, March the 29th, as the light of Christ shines on us as we study and pray Psalm 129. Keep praying, saints. That is a reminder for us because if you're anything like me, we need to pray more. And we're taking a step back in the middle of our Lenten season to look at the Psalms. And Psalm 129 is categorized uh, in different places, but definitely as a community psalm of lament. And there is some good lament here, and we all need to lament better. You can almost feel the affliction of God's people in this psalm. But at the same time, they write of hope, the hope that we all have knowing our Lord will bless us and do good for those who love him. So we pray that same way, and we pray that we'll be able to pray this way in our afflictions, and we'll learn how this morning. Open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, and let's start praying for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. LHFmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome for the first time Pastor Levi Wilms of St. John's Lutheran Church in Yankton, South Dakota. Pastor Wilms, happy Lent and welcome to Thy Strong Word.
1: Thanks for having me, Brady. It's wonderful to be joining you uh, today.
0: Oh, great, great to hear your voice. So, so, Pastor, it's uh, you know this is your first time here on Thy Strong Word. So, tell us about yourself, uh, your family, and the work at the Saints as Saint John's. Because I think for many of our listeners, where is Yankton, South Dakota? Tell us more.
1: <laughs> Yankton, South Dakota is the maybe the banana belt of South Dakota. Um, it's uh, we're on the southeast corner uh, along the Missouri River. Uh, it's actually. For all of South Dakota we're the second highest uh, area of tourism in South Dakota you know right hey behind yo. the Black Hills <laughs> but uh quite it. a ways behind the Black Hills but uh it is a beautiful area uh along the lake uh, Lewis and Clark Lake and uh, Missouri River and uh uh pretty uh I don't know what I would say uh pretty normal weather, uh, not, uh, we could use some rain, I guess, but with that and St. John's Lutheran Church is a a wonderful congregation. Uh, we have team ministry here, uh, two pastors and a DCE and, um, and a lot of good people. Uh, so it's a joy to do ministry and share Christ here in, uh, Yankton, South Dakota.
0: Tell us about your family. Uh,
1: my family, uh, my wife, Jessica and I, uh, Uh, Met at Iowa State and uh, we got married uh, right before my vicarage year in Des Moines and went for my final year down in St. Louis as well. And now we have five children. So ranging uh, from 14 down to uh, five years old.
0: Well, what a joy for that And I'll just share this story as I went to a funeral of one of our members uh, father and and I show up in Yankton, South Dakota not knowing and Pastor Wilms and I graduated at the same time. I walk in and there he is. and I was like, whoa, I know you and you know me. So it's one of those things that reminder for you our listeners is that God, brings us to people that we, we care for dearly and have been an impact on us. And that was a joy to, one, see him at that funeral and to hear the gifts of Christ that day, but also um, to join together around God's word this morning. So as we do this, oh, a reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning Psalm 129, uh, give us a call, um, 314-821-0850. Pastor Wilms is ready and ready and willing to answer any questions. Or send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Pastor, how we've been doing this for the Psalms is that we'll begin by praying the Psalm. Often, uh, we can get lost studying it so much that we don't actually pray it, which is what people have been doing for generations in the church. So let's begin praying Psalm 129, and we will end with the Gloria Patri. We pray. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, let Israel now say. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turn backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. Now, Pastor, as we look at Psalm one twenty nine, um, I kind of this is it's a psalm that you know we we look at Psalm one thirty, Psalm one twenty one maybe, and Psalm one twenty nine is not as well known. Actually, in our Lutheran service book, our hymnal, it's not even in the beginning <laughs> in the Psalms, and so it's very unknown in, in many ways. But yet, I think it has so much richness here. How do you want to begin our study and prayer of this psalm?
1: Well, going along with what you said, I I was kind of uh, upset with you when I got this. (laughs) Not at first, but but as you continue to study it, uh, what a rich, beautiful psalm. Uh, And I think we can all identify with some of the themes. Uh, I know here in America we haven't faced incredible persecution uh, to which we would lament, uh, but uh, as a part of the body of Christ and knowing uh, throughout our history and maybe even some things that are coming up in the future uh, for us as Christians, uh, we know what it's like in a sense to to, uh, to lament uh, the brokenness, uh, the wicked things that go around us, uh, but ultimately to see the uh, the futility of those things uh, in the long run. Uh, those who work evil uh, in the end uh, do not get those things uh, for which they, they try to gain. And so the psalm uh, is beautiful. And then along with that, uh, you get kind of the different layers. Uh, you get the layers uh, looking at the psalm from Old Testament Israel, uh, everything that they had gone through. Uh, up until also the fact when you start to see, wow, Christ really lays over top of this uh, psalm quite incredibly. Uh, And so you can see the life of Christ in it. Uh, And then because of that, uh, you can really start to see in our lives with Christ, uh, how the New Testament church and us in particular, how we face suffering, uh, and in light of Christ, uh, how we too prevail uh, because of his righteousness. So uh, it's just an incredible deep psalm because of those different layers that clearly stick out from it.
0: And so we've talked about this a number of times, but I think it's always worthy for us to go back. Is It says Song of Sense." Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, a Song of Ascents uh, are the Psalms 120 to 134. And again, uh, Psalm 120 and 129 are the only ones that aren't in our Lutheran service book. And part of that is because I think in here we have that imprecatory nature or that calling out uh, uh, against the enemies, uh, which is maybe something that we— uh, don't immediately connect with, but the Psalm of a Sense are those psalms that oftentimes we think of the people as they head towards Jerusalem and they head for the festivals. Uh, they'd be the songs that they they sing, which within this one, you can really start to see why as, uh, especially using that imagery of the, the plowers plowed, uh, you imagine as they walk up to, to Jerusalem, uh, there are farm fields uh, to the left and to the right, and as they sing this song, uh, they really. Are starting to look at that as they plowed the few fields, um, uh, kind of that that affliction that happens to the ground, uh, which in the end produces uh, a good crop, uh, but also in the way the the suffering or the scarring of the people of Israel, the the suffering that they go through, uh, that also in the end, as we see through the end of the psalm, uh, that God uses that to produce a, a different type of crop as well. And so uh, it's kind of a psalm that you can really start to see uh, the people identifying with in the Old Testament. But then it's also kind of interesting when you start to think this is a psalm Jesus would have sung uh, over all the years in which he uh, headed to Jerusalem. Uh, to be able to sing this song, and in so many ways, uh, the affliction uh, that that is coming upon his back—that—that um, that in many respects, you start to see, wow, this is pointing towards uh, the afflictions and the beating and the scourging uh, and the suffering that Jesus uh, receives at the hand of of those who do evil as well. And so, um, this working ultimately towards. Uh, the blessings that that God would do through the, the work of Christ's death and resurrection. So this psalm of Ascent, um is this worship life uh, that works through both the life of the Old Testament, Israel, but also the life of Jesus as they go to worship God.
0: And that's uh, this right away is you bring up. So, so well, as we talk about on this study, to put on your Christ goggles, and if we lose that dynamic of of Jesus here and the suffering that we see in Christ, we can easily just start internalizing and looking at everything, and it almost inevitably just leads you to despair. Um, until you realize how much your Lord has been afflicted as well. Because this is not, I mean, this psalm is not like I had a bad day or I had a hangnail type of afflictions or that I had a bad crop one year. This is a this is a lifelong affliction that you can feel when you actually pray this psalm. And for some, you can definitely, um, you can relate with that as you care for certain families that it, it just feels like, they have all these afflictions that happen to them. So, Pastor, before we get to that, I want to read mm-hmm. the first verse, verse, because I think that relates to, and I want to ask you a pastoral question, um, pastoral question to that I think relates to verse one. So I'm ready to get going. Pastor, are you ready? Absolutely. All right. Here we go. St- verse one of Psalm 129, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version, verse one. Greatly. Have they afflicted me from my youth? Let Israel now say now there 's a few key words in here, and the first one I think is just greatly. What does that tell us about Israel and their well their life
1: Well, when you kind of combine greatly with youth as well, and uh the first layer of this is uh, the kind of our old Testament Israel. now does this go way back uh, to uh, from the fall in the garden, uh, I mean, maybe you yeah. can even say yeah. Cain and Abel. Uh, Abel, the first death we see in the Bible is a martyr's death. Um, and so, uh, if, is it from there, or maybe you think more of Israel? Uh, maybe their their youth in the beginning uh, during the enslavement down in Egypt. Um, it's hard to maybe know exactly, but you think uh, you look through the Old Testament. Uh, history of Israel, and you could probably say one of the most defining aspects of it, other than God's continued redemption, uh, would be just affliction after affliction after affliction, Um, Mm. greatly through the slavery that they faced it. Uh, You'll get this later when it talks about uh, the, the wicked kind of bringing cords around, but there's a binding of God's people in slavery. Uh, Then you think of uh, kind of all the the trials of the wanderings. Uh, You think of the time of judges. Uh, Time after time after time, another nation comes in uh, to afflict God's people. Now, it was their own fault uh, for their idolatry, but, uh, you know, time after time, they're, they're in affliction and affliction and affliction. And and then God continues to come with redemption, but uh, that doesn't deny that a great amount of their time is under uh, uh, affliction. And so it's easy uh, now the writer of this, uh, it's hard to know exactly what his uh, affliction is, uh, but he's he's going to recall this is the life of Israel. Now it's interesting in commentaries because, uh, you know, I tried to lay out here at the beginning kind of the three layers, Old Testament Israel and then Christ and then uh, finally New Testament church. But oftentimes uh, you'll find a, I've had a few commentaries that were sort of like all it ever talked about was Old Testament Israel. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and from a standpoint almost too that, uh, we see this being the history of the Jewish people beyond Christ, uh, all the way up to like the Holocaust, et cetera, but uh, without seeing, in a sense, Christ uh, in here, the the psalms of not having a whole lot of hope, uh, but we do see that the the people of God uh, throughout its history have faced uh, incredible affliction. Uh, There's no way to sort of say, like you said, this is a hangnail. Uh, This is real people for most of their lives uh, facing horrific things, uh, things that in the end oftentimes brought about repentance and a calling out to God. Uh, and uh, so, it, from the very beginning, right, all the way through life, uh, there has been great affliction for God's people.
0: And it, like you said, it is a lifelong reality. And, and this is, um, I, I found this interesting because there are times as pastors, uh, for example, last week was the first time that I was able to visit someone in the hospital in two years. And that was quite a humbling experience. I visited like, kind of quickly for surgeries and so forth, but, but mm-hmm. to visit people in the hospital without any like major testing or anything. I mean it was, it was I mean, <laughs> I had to wear a mask, but it was not, I didn't go through a ton of things and I was able to go in and it wasn't like get out of here quickly kind of thing. I was able to visit. And one of the, one of the um, realities that often will happen when you go into a hospital to visit somebody is that I've had moments and I want to hear some of your experiences here too pastor because I think verse 1 gives us a very important Christian reality that you go visit someone in the hospital and they are struggling with what's going on in their lives and then they will lament, you know, they will uh, be frustrated with their situation to say I just can't seem to get a break. And that didn't happen on my hospital visit but I'm saying that happens quite a bit and too often we quickly try to move them from that and say, no, oh, no, 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 no! God has blessed you. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, no, 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 this. Da, da, da. And as opposed to allowing them to lament in a faithful way. Any thought? Because I think that's what they're doing here. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, let Israel now say. And, and it, it allows that. God allows that. And, and we, in essence, should allow that as well. Any thoughts on the, the gift, I would say the gift of lament for the Christian?
1: Well I think part of the the suffering and the lament that is there and not to try to jump to the end of the psalm but we see that God is always using those things to produce um things in us and uh, I I find that temptation all the time as a pastor of uh well it's going to be okay you know or we'll get through this or you know in a, a few days you're going to be feeling better and uh, and sometimes that's a little bit of what they want to hear but uh, on the other side. Um, this this is very normal. Uh, this is this is it's kind of a surprise. It hasn't come sooner, really. <laughs> you know, it's kind of uh, behind that, and um, it's good to to kind of settle into. Um, you know, this is this is a trial uh, that that comes to all of us. Uh, one challenge, a little bit in this psalm, I guess, is that there's kind of the The trials that are as a natural consequence of in a, being in a simple world, uh, which is a lot mm-hmm. of times what we face in the in the hospital, uh, and then you also have the layer here where we're talking maybe more about persecution, uh, as well as being a, a part of God's uh, people as well. Um, and th- and that being said, I think there's probably a lot more. Uh, <laughs> lamenting to come possibly, uh, in our area, uh, as persecution maybe starts to increase over time. Uh, but, uh, in all those things, I think our tendency is always just, uh, I can handle this. We can get through this. Um, and you know, it, it, the answer isn't to look to ourselves. The answer right. is to look to the one who is righteous uh, amongst us, um, the one who brings deliverance. And probably the best thing, the, I don't know, I say a lot of stuff in the hospital, but the, the, the only thing really that probably a lot of times uh, brings real comfort is that time when we, we bow our heads and we, and we pray, you know, we pray uh, for God's deliverance uh, from these things.
0: I do remember this quote, and I think our listeners have heard this from me before. Is Dr. John Kleinig had a had from Australia um, had a video where he was talking about just you know care of souls and and the yeah. work of, of of a pastor, but also as a Christian, and and he spoke about this beloved pastor that his parents enjoyed. And, and this I think this goes with this. They, they love this pastor. And so Dr. Kleinig, and he was a younger man at the time, asked, so what do you like about him? Was he a good preacher? Nah, he wasn't a very good preacher. Was he, was he, <laughs> was he a good social person? No, nah, he wasn't that social. Um, was he a good Bible study leader? No, nah, it kind of dragged on. And he's like, what is going on? What are they talking about? And I said, well, why did you, why did you belo- love this pastor, so this beloved pastor? And he said, oh, because he was a man of prayer, that he would listen mm-hmm. And he would let us speak and he would pray the word of God to us. And I think that's exactly what you are saying here is that they are lamenting. And we don't know what that word means. A couple weeks ago, we had Pastor, uh, Pastor Potchmit from Concordia, Missouri on, and we had a great discussion on lament. And here we come right back to it is to be lament, is no one really knows that word in our culture, and neither do we even know how to do it, because we don't know the word. And here, it, verse 1, if we just stop at verse 1, yeah, there's no hope. But we don't stop in verse 1, and it brings us back to that hope, but it does show us that verse 1 often needs to happen in our lives. Because it says, let Israel now say, He's not, he's not taking away grief, not saying there is no grief. No, you shouldn't feel bad. No, there's so many blessings. Ignore this. No, he says, get it out there. Let it, mm-hmm. let it out there because that is true that this happens in this side of eternity. So, Pastor, anything else in verse 1? Uh, I think we can move on to two. (laughs) Okay, very good. Because it does, I mean, like I said, it doesn't end in verse one. Just think about that. Ends verse one, amen, end a sermon. You're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? (laughs) Verse two and three puts God back into the picture. I would say verse two and three is when we start praying. Verse two and three. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. Now, Pastor, he uses the word again greatly. And, and so it feels like it's just the same thing as verse one. But verses two and three um, have a different tone to it. What's going on in these verses?
1: Well, from verse one, you have uh, the psalmist stating it. And then now Israel is repeating it. And there's kind of an intensification there by duplicating that language so that when you get to that word yet, um, you're really ready to hear something, uh, a response or a way in which that is dealt with. So um, there's all this affliction coming, which we are lamenting. Um, yet there is a hope. That word yet says uh, that there is not a prevailing against against us now um as we're sort of talking i think part of the reason we struggle with lament is because uh in a sense lament is is i'm not in control over what is Mm -hmm. happening to me Um, and i think a lot of times we operate sort of uh well fight back. Or um, I almost think of the image from, you know, gone with the wind, I'll never be hungry again, right? Uh, That we're going to, we're going to overcome this type of thing, you know, rather than a lament, it's a, a fighting back. Um, But a lot of life and especially persecution, uh, there's not a, there's not a fighting back. It's, it's knowing that uh, the source of that suffering um, and if we get into sickness and illness obviously the source of that suffering is this broken world right or uh, if it's a specific person that is inflicting evil upon us uh, knowing that in the end they don't prevail and uh, the lament is 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 bringing forth the suffering that we're experiencing yet it is bringing forth the idea that they don't win uh they don't in the end, get that for which uh, they set out. So, when verse three brings up the plowers plowed upon my back, uh, it's hard not to jump to Christ here, right? But um, right. you know, a, a plower intends a crop, right? A, a persecutor intends to intends a crop. Uh, someone that is inflicting suffering on. On us, they—they uh, they have a result that they are trying to produce. Uh, whether it be a reaction that we have, uh, whether that be bringing us to despair, uh, whether it be uh, that uh, they somehow feel that they're um, uh, above us, they—they uh, they have a result they're trying to achieve. Um, But they're not going to get it. And and that's how the psalm is going to ultimately bring about. Now, in the short term, right, they may experience some of those things, but um, they're they're not going to ultimately get the crop uh, that they set out for. Uh, and so, I, I don't know, I just kind of spent a little time trying to figure out this, uh, how did they plow in the ancient world, right. uh, you know, type of thing. And uh, I was just thinking, man, you sure wouldn't want to plow more field than you were able to plant and harvest. I, I mean, we now, I don't know, living in an agricultural area, we pretty much plow about everything. Um Mm. Uh, although I guess more no plow now or uh, no till uh, type of things. But we we try to put the crop of almost all the land we possibly can. Um, you know, we imagine as they're ascending, heading towards Jerusalem, there's field here, field there, areas that don't have fields. Right. But a, a, as they plow the earth, um, they're trying to produce a crop. And in a sense, they're afflicting the earth, trying to produce a, a crop. And uh, here the psalmist again is bringing out, they may long their furrows. <laughs> um, uh, they've gone above and beyond uh, in their uh, affliction, uh, trying to produce a, a crop. So uh, it's kind of a intensifying uh, in verse three, uh,
0: the affliction that is coming. It, it it gives that feeling they have made long their furrows, meaning that, that that digging deep into the ground is something that you can't you can't quite, you know, start plowing and then look back and say, I can't tell if that actually was deep or not. Like you can tell oh, there's amen. there's been something that's happened and it definitely brings out that feeling because I, I think this is very much so a feeling psalm, like you can feel the afflictions that they're speaking of that this this runs deep this affliction that they felt which is why i think it's interesting that I, I saw one commentator to speak about how this might have been written you know after the the babylonian exile which i think is is very uh relevant in the sense of the 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 plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. I mean, what they experienced, having to leave their home by the exile, Jerusalem. You know, the temple is gone, so forth. That that cuts deep for God's people. Any any thoughts on that? That was one commentary I read.
1: Yeah, I mean, both for, you know, it's hard to know exactly for the individual, but you definitely look at at Israel, whether it be back to their slavery in Egypt or their time uh, being hauled off into exile, um, the the significance of what had been inflicted upon them. Uh, Now in verse 3, it also brings up the the upon my back, uh, which uh, is probably reminding you of of lashings, Uh, possibly scourgings, uh, that there are are deep furrows and inflicted uh, marks that would kind of leave scars, you know, for a a long period of time. Uh, There's definitely visible Elements uh like you said that you can tell uh, that something has changed to that earth, right so, well, something has changed to my physical appearance, and, and that occurs also even for broader Israel, you know, you think of when they go back for the second temple and they rebuild it, and they all they all weep right because it's not like it used to be um. And so uh, just the depth of that infliction uh, for for Israel, right? And then obviously verse 3 uh, is really where we start to maybe see Christ laid over top of this as well. Uh, imagine him uh, singing this throughout his life about uh, uh, the afflictions that would come upon his back. Uh, the uh, The depth of... Uh, the beatings in which she endures, um, uh, and not to mention, in a sense, uh, the, the words that cut even deeper <laughs> than uh, what we see physically, uh, the mockings, uh, et cetera. So uh, there's just an incredible depth here uh, in, in to understand that we're greatly afflicted,
0: uh, a visual image of it. And that's something I want to, as it says, by his wounds, and this is where the hope comes, we are healed. And so we'll talk more about that on the other side of our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 129 with Pastor Levi Wilms, and we'll be right back. 29 with Pastor Levi Wilms of St. John's Lutheran Church in Yankton, South Dakota. And Pastor, right before our time, we talked about how the afflictions cut very deep for God's people, and that also happens in our lives. And so, Pastor, any reflections on, there is a distinction here of what they're going through would be real persecution, But there is afflictions that cut very deep for people in our world today. And why is this psalm, I'm just going to start this way now. Why is this psalm, especially the first three verses, important for us um, to use in our lives today?
1: It's pretty essential for us just to understand uh, the suffering uh, that we go through, and in a sense, why does it uh, happen to us as well? Um, I've been doing a Bible study with people on First Peter, um, and. First Peter is kind of a great epistle uh, related to suffering, but it comes up over and over again that suffering produces a genuineness uh, of your faith. And in chapter one, it talks about kind of that um, refining aspect uh, that our, our faith is tested by suffering, because when we suffer or when we lament, we. Um, Uh, we hold fast to God's answer. Uh, We seek out a a righteous one. We seek out justice. Uh, We seek out someone to deal uh, with the suffering that we face. And so suffering does have this effect upon us uh, that we're able to, in a sense, by faith, hold on to something that deals uh, with our suffering, something that endures, something that produces a crop uh, that is greater uh, than the, the crop that our afflictors are going after, whether that be uh, our own sinful flesh, uh, whether that be the devil or the world around us, um, so that there is this an endurance and uh, and also this connection with Christ who also suffered. Um, and so Peter brings up over and over again, what's the answer uh, to our affliction? Well, uh, Christ also suffered. And if he's our head, uh, then, then the body will suffer as well. Uh, but ultimately, all those things in connection with Christ uh, remind us that Christ has had victory, uh, that Christ has had victory over, over suffering uh, for
0: us. And that brings us to, I think, the next few verses uh, that really the, the the psalmist writes us for the community. And in that community, he is able to uh, continually mm-hmm. point us back to the Lord, because that's the goal, right? I mean, that's that's the goal, yeah. of, like Pastor said, that that when we go and visit someone and, and they're lamenting, that the, the powerful point is when you bow your head and you pray to the Lord. And this would be an example of a prayer possibly we do use. Psalm 130 would be another example of that, uh, mm-hmm. that you do use when someone's going through afflictions. That you allow them to be able to not only you know speak their words, but then that the Lord's words fill them as well. So let's read verses four and five, as it kind of makes a little bit of a turn. I mean, it's no longer, hey, I'm going through these afflictions. It actually kind of has a request for those who are causing these afflictions. Verse four, the Lord Yahweh is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. And may all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Now the psalmist is going to expand more on this, um, but verse 4, it brings us, you know, verse 2, it says they've not prevailed. You know, this, the, the cuts are very deep, and then it gets back to the Lord. And what does it tell us about the Lord in verse 4?
1: Well, one of the things, uh, especially if we first look in the Old Testament context, uh, the Lord over and over again uh, works His justice. Uh, he comes and does what is right, and uh, He cuts the cord. Now, maybe in some senses it's a slight metaphor shift from the, uh, the plowing of the back, but if you think in the plowing imagery where an animal by cords is pulling that plow, right? Uh, or uh, the afflictions, especially maybe in a slavery context of God's people, being bound um, by these enemies, by these sufferings. Uh, Again, again, throughout history, we see God comes along and he deals with it. Uh, He cuts the cords. Uh, of the the wicked actions, whether that be uh, he destroyed Pharaoh and his army uh, in the Red Sea, um, whether that be victory over the, the the different nations that have afflicted Israel, whether that be uh, through Cyrus, right, allowing the people to come back uh, to to Israel uh, through all those things. Again, God uh, cuts the cords. He comes and he deals uh, definitively uh, with the affliction of God's people. Now. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, many generations uh, have to just live within that affliction, but over and over again in the long history, we see God is righteous. Uh, he comes and he deals with uh, the afflictions that they face. Uh, and then when you kind of connect that also with Christ, uh, we see again uh, throughout his life, you know, very back in verse one, we talked about from my youth, right, from the very beginning uh, through Herod uh, wanting to kill uh, Jesus and then fleeing down to Egypt. And Jesus repeated in some senses, the history uh, of Israel. Um, uh, you don't maybe see it as a boy when he goes up uh, to the temple, although it's kind of interesting in reflecting that uh, some of the religious leaders we have later in the Gospels uh, were probably there uh, when Jesus was a young boy in the temple. And um, as they're amazed at his teachings, uh, maybe already there's some uh, seeds of of Uh, jealousy uh, that might be there. But we see that uh, they too try to bind Jesus. Um, The devil is afflicting. He is plowing deep. Uh, The religious leaders uh, of the time are are trying to bind and destroy Jesus to preserve uh, their wicked attempts and what they hope to produce. And in the end, uh, in the resurrection of Christ, uh, the cords are cut. Uh, that sin, death, and the devil have been defeated, uh, that God is going to produce a different crop out of even Christ's suffering. And so we see this turn here, right, in the hope we have in a God who is righteous, who defeats the enemies, uh, and that the plans of the wicked uh, do not prevail. Uh, And so then there's that call out in verse five, right? Um, uh, May all those who hate Zion, may all those who hate the Lord, all those who hate Jesus, Um, may they ultimately be put to shame. Uh, For our glory is in the work of God who is righteous. Our glory is in our baptism in Christ Jesus. Uh, uh, They hate Zion. We love Zion, right? We love our Lord (laughs) Jesus Christ. And uh, he will put to shame. May he put to shame and turn them back uh, for what they intended and produce that which he desires uh, for us.
0: And one of the one of the, it brings it back to some words, because in our, um, you know, we're citing the book of Matthew here on, on KFUO, and, and we're going mm. to the Psalms to take, take a little break before we get to Easter. But at the same time, we're studying we're Matthew in our own church, and it brings back to mind the words where he says, you know, love your enemies. Um, and, yeah. and I hear these words, and it kind of is interesting because this is a prayer, you know, uh, love your enemies and pray for them. And here it's almost it's like that. Although the, it says, Lord, they're, they're yours to take care of is kind of the prayer. How would you, because we can read this in a number of different ways where how dare you pray that kind of prayer. And our ears is kind of a little bit like, whoa, this is the, this is the imprecatory nature of Scripture that's hard to always understand. Um, but how would we look at that faithfully? Because he's literally saying, Lord, take care of them. And that's just a prayer that we don't quite teach our Sunday school kids. Um, when they go through Sunday school, how would you teach that faith <laughs> Well, I
1: think you have to put your Christ goggles on. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I don't think in the New Testament we pray imprecatory uh, psalms quite the same way. Uh, and so we kind of hold two things at the same time. Uh, one is the desire of justice. Uh, so specifically, uh, people might be thinking of like Putin right now, right? Um, or, or something like that. We, we desire him uh, maybe even to be destroyed, right? Uh, to put an end to the violence that is, that is occurring. Uh, bring him to his end. Or you think of Pharaoh, right? Uh, you know, his heart was hardened. Right. Um, uh, that that ultimately, in the end, he would not be allowed to do uh, the damage that he is doing. But then on the same time. Right. Uh, we desire that all people would come to repentance. Uh, in Jesus Christ, and we think of Apostle Paul and what he was doing uh, to the New Testament church, and then what a profound way in which uh he is he is brought to faith he 's brought to repentance, and then the the church has to deal with this you know well, the justice has been dealt with um by Jesus on the cross, and so now all we have with Apostle Paul is th- this rejoicing that he has been converted, that he is now the one who is persecuting the church now is advancing the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. And so when you lay Christ over the imprecatory psalm, right, we sort of recognize the reality that um, the, the justice we call for does fall on Christ on the cross, um, and so when we think of someone who is persecuting us, um, yes, in a sense, we want justice to be done. And if they do not repent or they do not uh, come to Christ, <laughs> then uh, ultimately that justice does fall on them. Uh, but if Christ is present right between us through his cross, uh, then uh, our deepest longing is always for uh, that redemption, for that uh, turning back in repentance uh, towards Christ and and the joy. uh, For there is no uh, greater rejoicing uh, in heaven uh, than for a sinner to to repent uh, and turn back and hope to God. And so uh, we do pray for the justice in this apprecatory aspect. But our our great joy would be that they no longer hate Zion, (laughs) that they would come to love uh, God and, and love Christ.
0: A few quotes in there that I have really, really enjoyed. How you're teaching this, Pastor, is is first of all that we love Zion. <laughs> I think that this is an easy way. We love we love Zion. We love the Lord Jesus, and that's how we would see this. Uh, when you say it, and you've been saying this a number of times, is when you lay Christ over this psalm. I'm not going to go with that. I like that better than the Christ goggles, but boy, that really gives a great visual for us. I'm going to have to add that as we continue to study the Psalms because we literally, it's like a Christ blanket or something. I'm not sure how to say it, but <laughs> it, you're laying Christ over this Psalm so that when we pray and do an imprecatory Psalm, it's its out of, out of knowing that our Lord is gracious and, and loving that, that we pray for our enemies because it is the Lord who can bring them back. It is the Lord who can bring repentance and he brings that same repentance to us. And so just that 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 visual language that you've been giving us is very very helpful for us to see this in a wonderful way. One, we love the Lord. Okay, that's a good start. Um, that the Lord is righteousness. He give us the righteous. He gives us our righteousness, and that we lay this over knowing that the Lord is gracious to all people. And there's always that hope. So I have one more thought. Be, but, but I want to want to hear. Do you have anything else in verses four and five? Uh, go ahead. All right, so, so one of the, this brings me back a little bit, because on Sunday, we, uh, we, were, we were studying oaths, right? And, and oaths are something that Jesus speaks about, and we're not going to get too much into that. And from we already went through that in Matthew chapter 5. But one of this psalm reminds me is it's a call to prayer, not only for our own prayers, but for other people, and and we started to talk a little bit about oaths and confirmation. Our church has confirmation on Palm Sunday, and it just it led us to a lot of lament over those confirmants who are not in church, if you will, or not at any church. And it leads you to that lament. And one of the situations we did was instead of us, you know, we've been lamenting. Let's be honest, the the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod has been lamenting confirmants, probably since the moment we started having confirmants. And and what we tend not to do is pray. And so we made out the whole list of the compromise I've had since I've been here and we just prayed for them. Um, And that was a real powerful thing. And one of my members said kind of exactly what you just said to us is, you know what? The Lord is going to work and and God is going to bring some of these people back. And we might not be able to see it, but we give thanks that the Lord does that. And I think that's the part I'm not about to call it conformance the enemies or something. I'm not saying that, <laughs> um, but I'm saying the opportunity that when we pray, we give those things over to the Lord and we praise God that he does change hearts, that he does all of those things. And that really brings us back to the Lord is righteousness, righteous as we lay Christ over the psalm. Pastor, any reflections as we live out our lives as Christians in the church?
1: Well, in some ways maybe we're thinking a little bit about the the the, the cords that need to be cut. You know, so yeah. so part of mm-hmm. the the issue we're facing there's there's uh societal things that are coming in. Um there's breakdowns that have been within the church as well as how we how we understand discipling children. Um you know, one of the things that's hard to maybe talk about is just breakdowns uh, that we have in the families um, and, and all these situations are uh, creating a, an environment that oftentimes uh, we're, we're struggling to pass faith uh, to future generations. And so, uh, you know, some of it is the, the Lord is righteous. He's going to do what he's going to do. But there's specific things that we see. And, and oftentimes we lament them, but we never go beyond that uh, to simply go to our Lord and say, uh, cut these cords right um you know um because there you know it's not that i can't fix it Uh, i can't prevail against it and i think that's one thing that we start to recognize fairly early on as pastors is just you know we maybe start out thinking uh we can do a lot and (laughs) you start to learn man i can't really do anything uh other than uh Seek the Lord, uh, proclaim his word uh, and say, God, please cut the cord, right? Cut the cords of the wicked, turn these things back um, and, and bring people to repentance. Uh, and so uh, these, these things are in God's hands. And uh, our job is to be faithful, uh, to go to him and, and, and plead with him and, and to respond
0: uh, when, when he directs us. It is just a reminder for me, this psalm, that on uh, built on the rock of Christ, the church shall stand, and too often we tend to act as if built on me, the church will stand, or built on yeah. the board of directors, our church will stand, or <laughs> you know, on our board of elders, or our LWML, or whatever the situation might be, that it's a reminder for us to go back to the Lord who is righteous. Pastor, we have about... But nine minutes left in our time, and I want to get to this right. last imagery here, verses six through eight. Sure. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Like I said, Pastor, we have about eight minutes left, and it kind of brings up some interesting imagery that I have not seen a whole lot. So tell me about this. Did you find anything on the grass on the housetops? And, the, I mean, I, I don't see that very often. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, when I was uh, in Wisconsin, uh, we had this tree
1: that was next to our house. Uh, it was some sort of maple tree, uh, but it sent down those bird seeds, and they would all <laughs> land in our gutters of my house, and I was probably not the best uh, to go and get my Gutters cleaned out. Uh, usually in the fall, I did, but uh, not as much in the spring uh, when all those seeds come down. And then eventually, uh, we actually got rain in Wisconsin, uh, South Dakota, not so much. Uh, but uh, you, all of a sudden, you'd see little little maple trees popping up in our gutters, right? Sure. Um, yeah. uh, you yeah. know. But uh, eventually, somewhere along the line, whether I got them cleaned out or it would just get dry and uh, they would they would die. Uh, there's Uh, It's it's an interesting dynamic here where um, it's actually where the field is plowed that things grow, right? Um, Where Mm. grass is just up on the roof where there's no real ground, nothing to really hold the moisture. Um, Yeah, it might spring up in the the rainy season, but uh, it's not going to last, and uh, so this, this is just actually pretty beautiful imagery going back to where they don't prevail. And so those that are afflicting, and, and uh, sometimes this is people, uh, or maybe we even think just broad terms, uh, the sinful flesh or the world or the devil. Um, those that are afflicting, they're trying to produce a crop. But in the end, for God's people, they don't prevail. They don't, they don't garner anything in. There's no storage of grain. There's no uh, production uh, of ultimate material. And so uh, may they be turned back in shame. Uh, may they realize, right? And this is maybe, yes, it is imprecatory, but uh, in a way, maybe this is ultimately to lead towards their repentance, that they would find that there is no real crop Nothing that preserves or lasts uh that comes from uh these afflictions uh n- nothing in their hands will ultimately be something that they can bear away uh but where the real crop grows <laughs> is where it, the field was plowed and and so oftentimes in the the places of suffering uh we see the the fruit of the gospel start to be produced, and so uh you know this starts to yes it's it's calling out towards. Uh, towards those who are inflicting, right? But it's also a statement of the afflicted that where we are uh, under persecution and where we face um, the attacks of, of the sinful world, uh, there God does produce a crop. Uh, he produces faith in his people. Uh, he, he develops in us a, a desire to hold on to, uh, the blessings we have in Christ.
0: There's two things with this. First of all, I lived in Wisconsin four years as well and had the same issue um, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you didn't clean anything out and all of a sudden I see a tree growing in my gutter. And, you know, I thought, and I, I think my wife agreed, that it was because I was lazy and I didn't do anything. Little did I know that I was actually creating a sermon illustration. Um, that was, this was... <laughs> A calling that Pastor Wilms someday would be able to use this and I could relate with it. That was that it was God, God <laughs> ordained anyways. Um, but it brings us back to that reality that he's praying that evil, not only people, but our own sinful flesh, evil in the world will not prevail. And it gives us that wonderful that even the reaper will not be able to even fill his hand with grain. Right that it will not be able to build up enough of it, that that you'd be able to wrap a rope around it so that you'd be able to have a crop, that that's the prayer. Do not let this prevail. And the more we look at our lives, the more we realize those moments where evil could have prevailed and it did not. So I I really do see this as a, a reflective prayer with Christ laying over it. Like you said so well for us to be able to not only see the afflictions, but with Christ laying over it, we see how, he has not let evil prevail. He has not let all of those things prevail in our lives, not only here, but around the world. And I don't want your reflections on that before I get to the last blessing. But any last thoughts about a minute of the reflections right now? Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, in the end, we also know that the, the scriptures proclaims that uh, when we are insulted for the name of Christ, uh, as first Peter says, he says, you are blessed. Or maybe you think of Jesus in Matthew 5, blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you. Uh, Falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. And so um, there's this total transformation Uh, in in Christ, because he has defeated the biggest courts, right? Um, Sin, death, and the devil, he's triumphed over them. Uh, Because of that, uh, we are blessed. Um, And there it brings up kind of that in verse 8, that, That We see it in Ruth where it talks about, uh, you know, Boaz says to the workers, the Lord be with you. And they say back, the Lord bless you. This is a common interaction in the fields of Israel. Um, But it's also a common interaction for us in the church, right? Uh, We say to one another, the Lord bless you. Uh, The Lord be with you and also with you. Um, uh, Because no matter what's going on around us, we continue to speak those words because in Christ we are always blessed.
0: I remember one time I was talking to uh, uh, one of our friends uh, in, in a doctor ministry program. Not that I'm in it, but, but he's in it. And he said they spent like almost a whole class period speaking about the, the I don't never say the word right. Benedict Gamus at the end of our worship service. Um, and, you know, uh, bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. And and he's like, it was a whole pastoral care section and what they were doing. And I was like, what? How could you last that long? And and what you're saying is exactly that these ending words, the blessing of the Lord be with you. We bless in the name of the Lord, knowing that that is where our hope is from. So, Pastor, uh, we have about a minute and a half left in our time. When would you suggest or when is a good time for our listeners, for pastors, for us to proclaim and to pray Psalm one twenty nine.
1: I think it's going to start to become a staple. <laughs> I, th- I don't know, I, and I may be a pessimist. I just I just think uh, when we talk about persecution, obviously there's situations where uh, people are being beaten or people are being killed. Um, but as Jesus talks about um, this reviling. Are uttering evil against you. Um, We are facing many a times now where uh, just speaking the truth of Christ means you're a bigot or you're racist or you're, you know, and it just it is becoming more and more of a thing where. Uh, The world desires to marginalize uh, Christians and to set them aside. And uh, we might be tempted just to fight back against that. Um, But but in the end, it's a reminder that they don't prevail. And uh, we will face as Christians over and over again, people that don't love the Lord. Uh, they they don't love the Lord and they will try to in some way produce a crop in you by making you react, right? Or making you respond or um, afflicting you in some way so that you lash out and then they can try to use that against you. And uh, we put our hope in the Lord who is righteous. Um, he will cut the cords, right, of the wicked. Um, our blessing and being able to speak blessing to one another um, comes from our standing in in Christ. And and, and Jesus is very clear with us. If they persecuted me, uh, they will persecute you. Uh, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And, and so Psalm 129, I think, is a psalm uh, that would be a great one just to, to, to run to uh, in the midst of, uh, yes, lamenting, maybe just tough things in our lives, but especially uh, when we lament uh, that uh, uh, there is opposition, there are those who hate the Lord um, and because of that maybe hate us. And we don't want to be hated right but but Christ prevails. Uh,
0: and so I, I think it has a lot of place for us. Pastor Levi Wilms of St. John's Lutheran Church in Yankton, South Dakota, giving us God's strong word from Psalm 129. Pastor Wilms, thank you again for bringing us his gifts. Thank you for having me. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.